with Martin Besser. I don't know if you've been watching. I only started watching recently Butibur. It's uh, the Sadiq of Showmax, and it's about uh, a serial killer from Port Elizabeth then, and uh, he is in jail right now, back in PE apparently. Uh, Professor Gerard uh, Labuskakni went to prison to go and interview him. Uh, uh, Prof. Gerard, of course, uh, a trained profiler and psychologist, and worked in the SAP for many, many years, especially when it comes to serial killers in our country. So this is not the first one that you've interviewed and, and dealt with. There you sit in front of this guy, Butibur, who admitted by himself, and they didn't work very hard to get it out of him. Mm. So one thing I noticed. Watching they worked the show, smartly, yeah. They worked very smartly, uh, but he admitted it to it relatively easily. Yeah, and that's actually not surprising. You know, a lot of serial murderers, when you bring them in for the investigative really? interview, they very quickly start to tell you what they've done, whether that's because it's the first time they can actually talk to anybody. You know, even hijackers talk to other hijackers, you know, and their colleagues about it. You know, they should be in there kind of talk and brag. And people know, oh, that's a you know, that guy's a hijacker. But this is not the kind of crime you can go and brag about. So I think that's why it's so important to have the detective who interviews the person not come in there as if they're interviewing a house robber or a bank robber where you can get all pushy and, and sort of, you know, confrontational. You want to mm-hmm. approach it very differently mm-hmm. to, and then eventually if they, this person sees that you're prepared to understand, you have the right mindset, they very often will open up because it's the yeah. first time they can actually talk. Do you think they crave that? Do you think they, they are hoping for the day that they get caught and stop it? Because he said, and I, it's, it's kind of, I don't want to give too much away because you might still watch, mm. uh, but he said to them, please take me to Elizabeth Duncan, which is a psychiatric mm. hospital in Port Elizabeth, um, so that this can stop. You know, there's that sort of myth that they want to and they leave messages, please catch me. And I think there's one serial murderer who did sort of say at the scene, leave a message on the scene saying, you know, stop me before I do it again. Mm. I don't think they want to be caught. Um, they might have issues and feel guilty maybe at some point about what they've done, but they then go and do it again. Mm. Um, so obviously that guilt and remorse wasn't enough to stop them. So I don't think it's like the movie sense of, you know, mm. I'm praying, please catch me before I do this again type okay. of thing. No, not um, but he, he did it. Did he say he did it out of hatred? So, yeah. So the children, because uh, he was quite severely abused as a child, and the okay. documentary goes into that. And that is has been confirmed by various other statements taken at the time by the okay. cops. And it was really a riff, quite horrific abuse that he was exposed to. Um, and then um, and that was, he felt God rejected him. And he was even molested by, I think, a Dormany or a pastor. Oh, yes. At, a, at the church he was attending. And, and he kind of felt later on in life, I'm going to get revenge against God because you weren't there for me. So the kids sure. would scream out to God. Mm-hmm. So that, so that the children seemed to be more that sort of revenge motive. And then the adults, like I said, the sex workers, mm-hmm. it was angered towards his previous yeah. wife or girlfriends who had cheated on him. And he says in his own words, were sex workers. I didn't, he used a different word. <laughs> yeah. but, um, mm-hmm. And that was that level. But again, that's just... That's just his way of understanding it, you know. So we have other serial murders who say, well, because woman gave me HIV, I'm going to commit serial murder or kill lumber of woman. But a lot of people have contracted HIV and yes. they don't go out and become serial murderers. So it's not a natural pathway. So there's no there's not, no one clear origin that all serial murderers have a background that looks like this. Ah. And that answers a, a very important question asked by Marisa on our WhatsApp line. She says, uh, Dr. Gerard, wordt a psychopath geboren of gemaakt? Is a psychopath, are you born psychopath <coughs> or are you made a psychopath? And I think you, you started answering that. Yeah, look, look, again, not all serial murderers are psychopaths. That's the other sort of con- conflicting uh. thing. But to answer that particular question, I think, look, only 1% of the population is would be diagnosed as a psychopath. I think there is this 
you have this potential before you're born that this is where you're going to go. I think your environment then kind of might channel you down. If you grew up in an environment where there's lots of abuse, you know, violence, you know, normalized, you know, that then I think you're going to become the kind of psychopath more likely that's going to engage in mm. horrible, violent, aggressive behavior. Sure. You know, might go into, you know, a violent gang type of environment. Mm. I think if you grew up in a relatively structured, loving, stable environment, you might, for example, go into politics <laughs> <laughs> or I run a business. <laughs> Your words. Yeah. yeah, but it's an official assessment. Um, so Lizelle also asking the same thing. What makes one a sociopath? Uh, sociopath are you born like that uh, due to your upbringing maybe just a quick just very quick yeah. difference between a sociopath and a psychopath, psychopath. maybe to start with psychopath mm. yeah so the psychopath is essential this is where you relate to the world as I don't really have much empathy emotions I'm superficial in my interaction with people mm. I don't feel guilty for what I do typically I don't learn from my mistakes I'll make the same mistake I don't change which is why rehabilitation is not really a good option mm. but essentially I don't really care about anybody else I yeah. will kind of do what I want to do and I don't care about the fact that what I'm doing is hurting you because I've stolen something that belongs to you etc so the no lack remorse. of empathy or empathy you don't doesn't automatically mean you're going to become a criminal and, and break the law because you can be like that just in your general non-criminal lifestyle you're not a nice person to be friends with of course mm. your sociopath which actually is more of a criminological term but tends it's very similar but tends to be more focused on criminal activity okay um so, yeah, I don't know how much the word sociopath is really used anymore. It's not a diagnostic term, whereas a psychopath is a, is a personality ah, disorder. Okay. It's, a, it's a diagnosis. So if you make that term about your ex-boyfriend or something, be careful because it is a diagnostic <laughs> term. <laughs> is, it, is it just me or are there more psychopaths in the world than ever before? I mean, it's difficult to say. I mean, the stats just say it's 1% of the population. Um, I don't really know if it's varies on, on the at any point. People seem to be dealing with things very badly. Yeah. I think narcissism is a lot more nowadays. Narcissism. Thanks to yeah. social media and yeah, other yeah, things. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, questions coming in 084-850-0942. I'm just wondering, the people that he confessed about, which he wasn't convicted of, were those families ever contacted? Were those people ever confirmed as being missing? Or is it really just something mm. that he made up in his mind? I personally think he was exaggerating. Firstly, they did try and find, obviously, cases that matched what he said. Okay. So the first thing you would do, if he points out the scene, can you go to the local police station? Was there ever a body here? If he gives you, you a time frame. Do you have an example without being too graphic? Of what he said? No, I can't recall exactly what okay. he described in the other cases. Um, so you would go and try and find a docket. You'd go and, obviously, he didn't mention them by name. This was Jane Smith. That would make it a lot easier. So, But the police would follow up then on, on any information he gave around those additional okay. cases. When I spoke to him in the interview, he said, oh, there were lots of other bodies, but he would then steal a car, transport it to the, to the dock, jump on a boat and go out and see and dump the body, which I thought that's a little bit of hard work and far-fetched compared to what you've done with all the other bodies. Uh, Maybe it's true. Maybe, as I said, he just disposed of them in a way that the police never found it. And there was not. An, but they would definitely have followed up to try and identify were there cases matching what he described. Absolutely. But obviously he also chose victims, sorry, that weren't exactly, didn't have family contact, didn't have a huge mm. friend social circle. That's why you choose those kind of easy, mm. I suppose, victims like street children and sex workers mm. as well because they're easy true. prey. True, the easy prey. But, you know, if, if the body was found, the police would have been there. They would have yeah. been the autopsy would have been conducted a murder docket would have been open so there would be from the policing side some trace of a body was found now it's a case mm. of matching what he said 
to a body that had been discovered. Or in some cases, they point out, when they do a pointing out, which is when he takes the police to show the various areas where he killed people, we sometimes in the past have actually found a body that he points out that had not yet been discovered. That's why that pointing out process is so important, because it's not only a confession, it's also him showing things that only the suspect would know. Next question. What eventually so really it was sent in if I recall correctly he became a person of interest in the disappearance of Henry Buckers who he was um, asked to it's his ex-girlfriend's child mm. who he was asked to escort from like the auntie the granny's home back home and then the child disappeared and he obviously raped him and killed yeah. him in between mm. <clears throat> so he was already a person of interest I think because of that and I think when his daughter went missing the police started to focus on him. So they, that's when he was brought in for the interview. Yeah. And as I said, they brought in Derek. Um, and he then eventually confessed to Derek to all of these other things. Remember, this, as I said, pre us really having forensic DNA, there was no DNA database. The world was a very different place in, pol- in policing terms. And again, people weren't thinking of serials really as much back then. And did, he had just, uh, quite a wide uh, victimology. Did you ask you anything strange when you interviewed him? Did you, did you, oh, did you, did, yeah, you, you personally, did, did he say something or ask you something that stood out for you? No, he wasn't a big conversationalist. Um, so, so we just let him speak and then we asked our, our questions. I mean, there were some questions we posed to him, which we were curious about the answers, which I don't think are appropriate to repeat on radio. Um, I've just seen this one question, which is actually a very valid point for me. Prof, uh, Jane wants to know, if he does get parole, what are his chances, do you think, of killing again based on his personality? He can't be up for parole. He's, he's up for parole. Consideration. It cannot be. He's but legally entitled to is a that parole not hearing. The, the difference between serving <laughs> concurrent um, life sentences, so at the same time, rather than back to back to back, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is a weakness in the law. So sometimes. if you get if you get five life sentences today, they all start ticking down today at the same time. And the 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 point at which you then become start to have parole hearings would be at this currently with our law is twenty five years from now. So whether you've had one life sentence or 20 life sentences, all, 25 ah, years from now, you start to parole, he, which makes it kind of like go large or go home. He got seven yeah. life sentences just by the way. Yeah, so this is where I want to become an advocate because yeah. I want to sit in front of this parole board and say to them, let me quickly break this down for you. Mm. This guy over here admitted to killing 12 people. Thank you. His crimes included cannibalism, mm-hmm. uh, necrophilia, sadism, mm-hmm. pedophilia. Sodomy. Um, should we let him and just obvious go murder, yeah. about his day with the rest of us? Also, he's not 104, so very less chance. Yeah. He is currently 57 years old. Oh, really? Getting back, to, so, sorry, getting back to the second part of your question, uh, do you honestly think, that, what are you asking, that he can the fit chances, back in? Yeah, what, what no. is the chance of killing again based on his personality? Well, let me put it to you this way. Do we really want to take that risk? Is that fair to the next no, victim out no. there? Uh-uh. So... And as you say, 57 is not old. I mean, I'm 51. That's what I'm saying. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and he, and he targeted children, which you don't have to be particularly strong. So I don't Ooh. think we yeah. should be, we should play, we should gamble. If we can't say, yes, we have done a process, we have, can say that he is, we have an evidence-based process that shows serial killers can be rehabilitated. I don't think we should be risking society. And because if we get it wrong, we go, oops, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Who saw that coming? It's like, I think we're good. Yeah. As, as, but he's as legally entitled to parole I understand hearing. It's process. Now, correctional services, uh, if you ever listened to me before on this topic of parole, mm. 
it's very scary who they release back yes. out against the advice of their own psychologists. I have countless people who were released to the psychologist saying there's no way you should release this person. So no I personally way at don't. All. And have, then they still get released. Yeah. They really? just ignore the psychologist reports on time. I mean, I know a lot of correctional service psychologists, and they just say, oh, reports just get ignored. Um, why that is, I don't know. Uh, the, the few that I participated in, I've been very shocked and worried how this process works. Even yeah. the Lee Matthews one, they, who had been in contact all the time with the parole board about we want to be involved when the hearing comes. So then they kind of sneak one through almost without the Matthews family being involved. And then luckily the policeman on the parole board said, oh, hang on a minute, we can't proceed. This case is bigger. We need more information. And then we found out, actually. And it's also a slap in the face of the good detective work. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, those guys put their – and those ladies, especially in this documentary Mm. series – you know, I mean, what they must have gone through. I felt so much for that one woman. Yeah, the trauma. Uh, the detective mm. who was sitting there, and the yeah. next thing he reaches for his bag and then pulls out a, a, a knife. I can't know, spoil it. All right, so listen, if, you wanna, if you're into this kind of thing and you want to see it, it's on Showmax right now if you're over 18, obviously. Yeah. Uh, you'll see the good prof uh, up there. You also hear the tapes, just by the way. The tapes, you actually hear the tapes in the interview. You hear hear his his voice. It's a very good, I must say, some of these documentaries are, yeah. Yeah, but this is 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 very well put together. They really spoke to a lot of people. uh, I'm so sorry that we ran out of time because I can sit and talk about this for hours. I know, Phil, you also love this kind of thing. I really, really, really really do. And I think most people are fascinated by it uh, because it's so close to home in some cases. Um, So go and watch it. Thank you very much for your time once again. For coming, for coming in and uh, I'm sure we'll get you back again soon actually just to talk some more uh, about this particular series actually because I think people are only starting to watch it now like mm. myself yes and it's only one episode a week that's being released as yeah. well so. this, this yeah. week is the fourth I think yeah. fourth and final last year just to kind of catch up there thank you very much uh, Prof Gerard good to see you again Great thank you, you. <laughs> Breakfast with Martin Bester, driving you to work every weekday from 6 to 9 a.m.